Praise the Lord. Hope you had a good break. Welcome back. All right. We just have um, a few announcements with all of the holidays and everything coming up. We're going to have some changes in our schedule. Uh, First announcement is this week there will be no midweek Bible study or prayer service. Um, So please enjoy time with your family. Happy Thanksgiving. Also, coming up on December 5th, we are going to have our Christmas for Christ service with uh, Brother Zimmerman as our special speaker. So there will be no children's ministry or discipleship that day, so there will just be the one service at 1030, and we will have a dinner following. December 5th. And all of these are on our website as well. So if you ever have any question, just go out there, look at what's happening, and we've got all of these slides out there for you. Also, on December 19th, it's a little, uh, actually not that far away, <laughs> we're going to have a Christmas dinner here on December 19th. That is our Sunday before Christmas. Also, there will be no children's ministry or discipleship class that day. We'll just have the 1030 service and then have our dinner after that. All right. Yeah, we're going to have to probably find a way to light, uh, darken this up so that you guys can see our slides. <laughs> it's a little bright in here. But, all right. Hallelujah. So, let's, let's worship God. I've got some old songs for you today, so you should know the words. So you can help me with worship today. Hallelujah. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face, there to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. As I journey through the land, singing as I go, pointing souls to Calvary, to the crimson flow. Many arrows pierce my soul from without within. But my Lord leads me on. Through him I must win. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face. There to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. When in service for my Lord, dark may be the night. But I'll cling more close to him. He will give me light. Satan's snares may vex my soul, turn my thoughts aside. But my Lord goes ahead, leads whate'er betide. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face, there to sing forever of his saving grace. On 
the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. When in valleys low I look toward the mountain height, and behold my Savior there leading in the fight. With a tender hand outstretched toward the valley low, guiding me, I can see as I onward go. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face, there to sing forever of his saving grace. All the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. When before me billows rise from the mighty deep, then my Lord directs my bark, he doth safely keep. And he leads me gently on through this world below. He's a real friend to me. Oh, I love him so. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face. There to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face. There to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, I can't wait to see you. Oh, face to face. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, you are worthy, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up. Somewhere beyond the blue, the angels beckoned me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. They're all expecting me, and that's one thing I know. 
my Savior, pardon me, and now I onward go. I know he'll take me through, though I am weak and poor, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. I have a loving mother up in glory land. I don't expect to stop until I shake her hand. She's waiting now for me in heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Just up in glory land, we'll live eternally. The saints on every hand are shouting victory. Their songs of sweetest praise drift back from heaven's shore. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Just up in glory, man, we'll live eternally. The saints on every hand are shouting victory. Their songs of sweetest praise drift back from heaven's shore. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. Heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. 
Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, I can't wait for that day. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him in the morning. Praise Him in the noontime. Praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him when the sun goes down. Praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him in the morning. Praise Him in the noontime. Praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him when the sun goes down. Love Him. Love Him. Love Him in the morning. Love Him in the noontime. Love Him. Love Him. Love him when the sun goes down. Serve him, serve him, serve him in the morning, serve him in the noontime. Serve him, serve him. Serve him when the sun goes down. Come on, let's praise him. Praise him. Praise him in the morning. Praise him in the noontime. Praise him. Praise him. Praise Him when the sun goes down. Praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him in the morning. Praise Him in the noontime. Praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him when the sun goes down. Hallelujah. Come on, let's do that. Let's praise Him. He's worthy. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's give God glory, can we? He's worthy of our worship. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are ever worthy to receive all worship and all praise, all glory and all honor. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. You are my Lord. You are my King. You are my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for suffering on a cross and dying in my place. Hallelujah, Jesus. We do worship you. We do praise the Almighty. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are altogether worthy. You are absolutely worthy to receive it. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity you've given us today. Help us to make the most of it, O oh God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. The things that God has done for us, the things that He has provided for us, that He has worked out in our lives, we can spend some time and thank Him. We can wait on Him a little bit, and that's okay. Our proper place is in His presence. Worshiping. That's our proper place. Any other place, any other office, any other goal, we are going to experience frustration and disillusionment. <clears throat> but when we fulfill that for which we have been created for, we experience joy and peace and contentment. <clears throat> Praise God. What an awesome opportunity we have. What a privilege we have as people of God to be able to enter into His presence. Every time I read about the, uh, the Old Testament high priest, going into the Holy of Holies, the things he had to do to prepare, to get ready, to make sure he was ceremonially clean and covered. And he could only do it one time a year. We can do it any time we want. Praise God. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6 says this. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Amen. We're going to preach for a few minutes today on this topic. Hunger always wins. Hunger always wins. Can we pray one more time? Ask God to bless His Word the remainder of His service. Lord Jesus, You're an awesome God, and I thank You for this opportunity You've given us today. Help us to hear Your voice. Help us to feel Your touch. I pray, O oh God, that from this point forward, You would assume control of our service. This is Your service. We are Your people. Speak, move, act according to Your perfect will, according to Your desire, Thou Most High God. Help us, Lord, to give ourselves wholly to your service today, to submit ourselves unto the will and plan of God for our lives, to submit ourselves to your word, to do according to all its words. Above all else, Lord, that your name would be glorified here today. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. God bless you. Thank you. You can be seated. Now, when we speak of hunger, there are good aspects to hunger. There are bad aspects to hunger. 
I'm going to read an excerpt from an article on a a, uh, a situation that happened about 150-odd years ago. Most of you will be familiar with it when I say the word Donner, the Donner Party. It was a group of American pioneers who migrated to California in a wagon train from the Midwest. Delayed by a multitude of mishaps, they spent the winter of 1846-47 to 47 snowbound in the Sierra Nevada mountain range. Some of the migrants resorted to cannibalism to survive, eating the bodies of those who had succumbed to starvation, sickness, and extreme cold. Here's a portion of that excerpt. The snowsuits proved to be awkward but effective on the arduous climb. The members of the party were neither well-nourished nor accustomed to camping in snow 12 feet deep. And by the third day, most were snow-blind. On the sixth day, Eddie discovered his wife had hidden a half a pound of bear meat in his pack. The group set out again the morning of December 21st. Stanton had been straggling for several days, and he remained behind, saying he would follow shortly. His remains were found in that location the following year. The group became lost and confused. After two more days without food, Patrick Dolan proposed one of them should volunteer to die in order to feed the others. Some suggested a duel, while another account described an attempt to to create a lottery to choose a member to sacrifice. Eddie suggested that they keep moving until someone simply fell, but a blizzard forced the group to halt. Antonio, the animal handler, was the first to die. Franklin Graves was the next casualty. As the blizzard progressed, Patrick Dolan began to rant deliriously, stripped off his clothes, and ran into the woods. He returned shortly afterwards and died a few hours later. Not long after, possibly because Murray was near death, some of the group began to eat flesh from Dolan's body. I apologize for the graphic nature, but I'm going somewhere with it. Lemuel's sister tried to feed some to her brother, but he died shortly afterwards. Eddie, Salvador, and Louise refused to eat. The next morning, the group stripped the muscle and organs from the bodies of Antonio, Dolan, Graves, and Murphy. They dried them to store for the days ahead, taking care to ensure nobody would have to eat his or her relatives. After three days' rest, they set off again, searching for the trail. Eddie eventually succumbed to his hunger and ate human flesh, but that was soon gone. They began taking apart their snowsuits to eat the oxide webbing and discussed killing Louise and Salvador for food before Eddie waned before Eddie warned the two men, and they quietly left. Jay Fosdick died during the night, leaving only seven members of the party. Eddie and Mary Graves left to hunt, but when they returned with deer meat, Fosdick's body had already been cut apart for food. After several more days, 25 since they had left Truckee Lake, they came across Salvador and Louise, who had not eaten for about nine days and were close to death. William Foster shot the pair, believing their flesh was the rest of the group's last hope, of avoiding imminent death from starvation. Hunger always wins. There's an eating disorder, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, called pika, pika. It's where the individual will be obsessed and, and, and driven to eat non-food items, which can include things like ice, soap, buttons, clay, hair, dirt, Sand, ashes, paint, glue, chalk, nails, glass, 
and other various non-food items. There are several reasons for this. Some of them emotional or psychological, but one is nutritional deficiency. The body trying desperately to get what it's lacking. We see examples in Scripture where people became so hungry that they boiled their own children alive to survive. Hunger is a very powerful force. And when it becomes strong enough, it's almost unresistible. If we look at the power of addictions in people's lives, it's a negative hunger. People driven to do things they wouldn't otherwise normally do. Let's consider the Donner family. Two years prior to this, the thought would have never crossed their minds to eat a member of their own party. It would have never crossed their minds. If someone would have suggested it, they'd have probably had the guy arrested and hung. But in that particular situation, where they became so desperately hungry, their neighbor began to look good to eat. Anything to fill their stomach. They boiled the oxide from off of their snowshoes just to get something inside of them. The power of hunger. Addictions. When someone's addicted to drugs or alcohol, we see example after example. Some of us know people who are addicted to something. And they will do anything to get their their substance of choice. They will pawn items that, that are valuable to them. They will lie to loved ones. They will steal from loved ones to get enough money. They will do things for money that they would never have considered. Robbing a store. Selling their own bodies for money to get their fix. The power of hunger. It can't be denied. Hunger always wins. Now there's a positive aspect to hunger. When we talk about athletes who are training for 8, 10, 12 hours a day, 6, 7 days a week, they're watching everything that they eat, they're getting enough sleep, their whole lives revolves around winning a prize. It's said sometimes of those athletes that they're hungry. They're hungry to win. They're hungry to succeed, to excel in their sport, whatever it is. Someone at the job who's willing to sacrifice and put in the long hours and and go to night school to get a degree so that they can get a promotion. It's said that they're hungry to advance. They're hungry to, to move forward. And someone that's not hungry, well... They're content to stay right where they're at. In the spiritual, hunger is a good thing. And it can be a very powerful force in our lives. But we've got to get hungry. The inverse of that is we're full. We're satisfied. We're okay right where we're at. I'm not interested in doing anything else. 
I'm not interested in moving forward. It just doesn't seem appealing. When we're full, when we're stuffed, food can still smell really good. But the thought of eating anymore, I can't. I don't want to eat anymore. But when we're hungry, we've put in a long day's work, and we come in and we're starving. Everything looks good. Everything smells great. I could eat a piece of tree bark right now. When we get hungry, when we get really hungry, we're going to do what it takes. In a spiritual sense. Our society today, our enemy is hungry. Our enemy is ravenous for victory, for success, to destroy you and me. And the church, by and large, is satiated. We're full. We don't see a need to step up. We don't see a need to sacrifice. We don't see a need to move forward. If you've paid attention to recent events, this Kyle Rittenhouse trial, I for one was very happy to receive the verdict that was passed down. disagree with me, that's fine. However, the reason I bring it up is this. There is a concerted, sustained effort to destroy not only our freedoms, our liberties, but the church. To destroy the church. Now we know that the church has survived Numerous attempts, and it will survive this one. The church will be here until it gets raptured, and we're all out of here. The church will survive everything that comes against it. The question is, will you? Will you stay in the church? Will you stay hungry for the things of God? Will you get so ravenous for the things of God? That you'll do anything for it. I read accounts of POWs in in the, the Vietnam War. It was considered an awesome thing. Those that had any knowledge of Scripture, those that had memorized some Scripture, they would recite those over and over and over. They'd bring them to other people, recite them over and over. And that sustained them, whatever it is they had of Scripture. Because they couldn't get a hold of any. All they had was what was in here. I promise you, just as sure as I'm standing here, if something doesn't drastically change, that's coming right here. 
That's coming to the United States. Scripture will be outlawed. This will be outlawed. If something doesn't desperately change, our enemy is its non-stop. It is so insistent and so continuous. It's 24-7. You get it from the time you're in preschool all the way through college. And we wonder, my son came home last night. He had to work with a bunch of people his age. <laughs> he was like, why does everybody have to be so liberal? Oh, liberal, conservative, that's irrelevant. Their position on the Rittenhouse trial was what he was referring to. And the media's outright lying about the facts of the case. Just blatantly outright lied and not just once continuously and about multiple facets of the case you think they're going to apologize you think anyone's going to be held accountable absolutely not they're going to keep doing it they're going to double down on it and no one's going to stand up to them no one of significance they're just going to keep doing what it is they do. Now, again, my point isn't politics and, and conservative, liberal. That's not the point. The point is they're hungry. They're hungry to see a desired outcome. And they're doing everything that they can. There are billionaires. <laughs> Mr. Soros, he spends all kinds of his personal money to see an agenda uh, take place. To see that agenda come to fruition. He spends a lot of money. There are other, other wealthy people who spend all kinds of money to see this come to pass. What are we as Christians willing to do? Now... <laughs> the... Uh, There's nothing new under the sun, is there? And there's no sermons new under the sun either. It is true, Brother McGinnis, that we hear pretty much the same sermons all the time. Basically the same message. There's not too many new ones under the sun. Different titles, different approaches, same end. You end up the same place. It's the same message. Now, there's reasons for that. Either A, you need to hear it and start doing it. B, maybe you need to be reminded of it. Or C, maybe the message isn't for you. Maybe it's for the person next to you. In any case, the message remains the same. We have a job to do. We have responsibilities to God. He has given us so much. He has given us the earnest of our inheritance. He's given us His name in water baptism. He's given us power and authority. He has made us His representatives in this world. We are to demonstrate Jesus Christ to this world. To demonstrate Him. Not just talk about Him. 
Not just throw out there how great he is. And he is great. And we ought to do that. But that's not our only responsibility. Our responsibility is to look like him. To speak like him. To do his works. That's our responsibility. They don't need to hear about God. They need to see him. They need to see him operate. They need to see him in action. Show him Jesus. Don't just tell him. Because we have been given so much, we have an awesome responsibility before God and to this, uh, the city and this county to do exactly that. And we need to be hungry about it. Just as hungry as the enemy is. Deuteronomy 8 and 3 says this, And he humbled thee, and suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Sometimes God will put us in dire straits. He will put us in tough situations so that we will accomplish His will, so that we will begin to realize this isn't what life is all about. It's not about the fancy new car. It's not about the new house. And again, if you get a new car, I'm going to celebrate with you. If you get a brand new house, man, I want to be the first one to come over and and celebrate that with you. Give me the tour. I love it when God blesses his people. But that's not what life is about. We don't pursue the blessings of God. We pursue God. And the blessings naturally follow. And although it's his desire to bless, and it's his desire to promote, we've got a job to do. We have work that needs to be done. Some of us are doing it. Some of us need to be reminded of it. Some of us need to help others do it. Keep doing it. If anyone's ever fasted before, you understand a little bit the process of hunger. Not in reality. I don't think any one of us, maybe, I know I haven't truly been hungry to the point of starvation. I've been hungry. I've felt a a really great desire to eat. But I've never been hungry to the point of starving. Where my belly bloats out and I'm all thin and emaciated. My body starts eating itself. I've never been to that point, not even close. But when we start fasting... We understand a little bit the power of hunger. <laughs> First two days are they're a terror. They're not easy. Body gets hungry and it starts to want to eat. And that's the time that's the time people want to bring stuff over. You want to come out to eat? I'll buy. I haven't heard from you in twenty years. Now you want to take me out to eat. That sounds about right. 
<clears throat> and that's going to happen. But in that natural hunger, the desire is to develop a spiritual hunger. Eventually, that natural hunger subsides. You keep going long enough, it stops. Your, your digestive system basically goes to sleep. You don't have to worry about it anymore. Now you can start focusing on the spiritual. Now you can start feeding the spiritual. The hunger is good. It serves a purpose. It drives us to the feet of Jesus Christ. And when God puts us in a situation or a circumstance that causes us to start to wonder and to doubt and to fear, that's the time to start driving ourselves to the feet of Jesus Christ. That's the time to start getting hungry for the things of God. The more this falls apart out here, the more my personal life may start falling apart. My finances start draining out. My, my car breaks down. My house is... My house. It gets to the point where I'm like, you know, maybe I shouldn't really be focusing on that stuff. It's going to let me down. Riches will let you down. Stuff will let you down. I don't care how much you enjoy it. I've used this example before. I, I like techie stuff. I like computers and high-tech phones. I love them. <clears throat> they don't do a whole lot more than the dumb phones do, really. But they're flashy, and they're techie, and I like that. No other reason. And I'm okay with that. But the most awesome device, my, my daughter picks on me about this all the time. I really want that phone. Oh, that it's got this feature, and it's got this feature, this feature. No, I'd really like to have that phone. I just can't afford it. But <clears throat> this one time, I did get the phone. I had the money. We, we got the phone. I'm like, oh, this is so great. And two years later, this is old. Look at this new phone. I want that phone now. Is it? Yeah, it's by design. It's by design. And she picks on me about that a lot. Oh, yeah, that phone you said you'd, uh, oh, this is the phone you wanted. You'd never, you'd never be happy with anything but that. And now look at you. Yeah, yeah. I know, I know. It's all right. But the, the, the best thing in the world, whatever that is for you, at some point, it's going to break down. It's going to leave. It's going it, Something's going to happen to it. It's going to fail us. The new car in 10 years, 15 years, it's going to be in a, in a dump heap somewhere, crushed up into a nice-looking block of metal. That car that I spent so much time waxing and buffing out and vacuuming everything and just getting the armor all on the tires and mm, looks great. Now it's... No, it's a rusted heap. That's the end result of everything in this world. That's the end result of everything. The garbage dump. That's where everything ends up. That's where this body's going to end up. It's going to be planted to the Lord Terry. I'm going to do what I can to take care of it, be a good steward of it, but someday it's going to fail me. 
It's going to let me down. It's going to die. I need to be focused on the spiritual. I need to stay hungry for the spiritual. Because that will never leave me. It will never forsake me. The treasures I lay up in heaven will never leave me. I will spend them for eternity. And I will never run out. Why wouldn't I focus on that? Why wouldn't I stay hungry for the things of God? Why wouldn't I be willing to sacrifice? Why wouldn't I be willing to commit more time, more effort toward the things of God? Knowing that when this life is over, I can enjoy that time that I sacrificed. I can enjoy that money that I sacrificed forever. The time I sacrifice for work, the time I sacrifice to get a promotion or for any toys down here, it's gone forever. I'll never get that back. I can enjoy this for a time, and it's hard to stay focused on the, the eternal because the temporal is right here and right now. The urgency of the immediate is always before us. And that's another ploy of the enemy, to keep us distracted, to keep us off balance, to keep us focused on something else. We need to stay focused on God. The bulk of our time, the bulk of, of, of our resources need to stay with God. Our hunger, our desire, our fervency, our passion, our zeal needs to be rooted in the spiritual. The saying, filled but never full, comes to mind. Get filled. Get your fill of Jesus, but don't ever get full. Stay hungry. We can get to the place, church, where our hunger for the things of God supersede our hunger for the things of the world. When we get to that place, we're well on our way to doing what God wants us to do. But not until then. There are people in the world. We talked about Islam this morning. There are people who are willing to die to further the cause of Islam. They'll strap a bomb on their body, go to a mall, and pull the trigger. family will be proud of them. They'll be happy to do that. And we think that's crazy. But they have a hold of something that we lack. Because again, should things continue as they are, you too are going to have an opportunity to die for your religion. In that day, what will you do? Will you continue to profess Jesus as you're heading to the guillotine? Or will that be too, too high a price?
I know this is kind of a Debbie Downer right now. It's not going to end up being a Debbie Downer. In the secular, it will be. In the secular, we're going to experience hardship, persecution, maybe even death. Some of our brothers and sisters around the world already are. If it happens here, I don't see that as being unfair. But what will happen in the spiritual is revival. You know where the church is growing the fastest? In the midst of persecution. It's always growing fastest in the midst of persecution. Because in the midst of persecution, we start to realize what's truly important. We start to understand things that we can afford to lose and things we can't afford to lose. We start to settle in our hearts what living for Jesus really means. It's not to get a promotion. It's not given, it shall be given to you. It's I'm committing myself to service to Him. Whether He blesses or not. Whether He protects or not. Though He slay me, yet will I trust in Him. Because if I die for Him, I made it. I made it. Think about those that are going to be left behind in the rapture. Think about the knowledge that you have if you were left behind in the rapture. People are going to be feeling, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. I get, literally, I get sick to my stomach when I start thinking about what if I was left behind? What would I do? What would matter at that point? What, what could I focus on for that, that seven-year period? Or whatever it ends up being, depending on your eschatological point of view. What, what could I focus on that would matter, knowing that I missed it? There are things more important than the here and now. There are things more important than the money in my checking account. Whether or not I can afford a second vehicle whether or not I can afford that vacation in Cancun. If you can afford it, man, go and enjoy. I wouldn't go to Cancun. <coughs> that would be not a good idea. Alaska. Alaska would be a good spot to go. Wouldn't have to worry about the Cancun stuff in Alaska. Yeah. <coughs> But if you can afford a nice vacation, go enjoy your vacation. That's not, that's not important. If you don't go on the vacation, that's fine too. The important thing is serving Jesus Christ with our lives. The important thing is dedicating every ounce, everything that I can in service to Him. Pushing, striving to accomplish His will in my life. If He asks something of me, I give it. It should already be given. I don't have anything except He's already given it to me. 
I don't have anything of myself. That includes this. I didn't go out and pick this up at Walmart. It feels like it sometimes. Like it's a great value brand body. (laughs) I didn't pick it up at the store. God gave this to me. God gave me breath and life. He gave me everything that that I possess. He didn't give me everything I don't possess. And I'm okay with that too. What am I doing for Jesus Christ? How am I spending the minutes, the precious moments that he's given me? How am I allocating the finances he's given me? The talents that he's given me, what am I using those for? I need to be hungry for those things. I need to be hungry to see his kingdom established. I need to be hungry to, to, to be able to effectually demonstrate him to this world. I need to be hungry to know scripture to the point where I can explain it. I can teach it effectively to someone else. There are a lot of tertiary issues that that we get hung up on. A lot of secondary things that we like to divert into as Christians. But the fact of the matter is this. There's only one reason, two reasons we're really here. Fellowship with Jesus Christ discipleship. That's it. That it boils down to that. It's really simple. It's boring. It's it's not all that exciting. <clears throat> it's not 10 steps to spiritual walk with Jesus. It's it's just that. All the messages in the world they really point to that. As we go forward from this place, let's try to keep in mind the way our world is headed. In the secular, it's headed for disaster. Just as fast as it can. And I don't know if there's anything you could say to any of them that would change their mind. Maybe there is. I want to keep trying. But in the spiritual, in the spiritual, we're headed for revival. And the more of a disaster it is out there, the brighter we're going to shine. The more powerful God is going to be in people's lives. The more souls are going to be won, the more ministers are going to be created, the more God's kingdom will be established here on earth. It happens best and it happens quickest in the fires of persecution. That's not what we want to hear. I don't want to live through persecution. I want to live like my parents and grandparents. Get a good job. Have a good life. Spend time with the kids and grandkids, great-grandkids. And then go on to see Jesus. Maybe it will swing around again. I don't know. But it might not. And if it doesn't, I want to be ready. I want to be prepared for whatever Jesus leads us through. To do that, we're going to have to stay hungry.
when God asks something of us, we need to be able to say yes, not grudgingly, but willingly, cheerfully. When God asks our time, our talents, our finances, If we can't give a little bit now, saying goes, if you can't live for God in the green season, how will you do it in the dry? That's still green. That's still easy to serve Jesus. If we can't do it now, we're not going to be able to when it becomes difficult. When it might require our very lives to serve Him. Let's stay hungry. Not for the things of the world, but for the things of God. Let's all stand. If we could all come to the front, please. This is the part where you get to speak with Jesus yourself. And Jesus gets to speak with you directly, personally. I consider this the most important part of the service. Everything else leads up to this. Please avail yourself of this time this opportunity, this privilege that we have to enter into his presence directly, personally. It ought not be esteemed lightly. It ought not be taken for granted. The words that have been said today, you don't remember all of them, I don't remember all of them. But you'll remember what was important to you. When God spoke to you. As we proceed with the service, God wants to speak with you directly. God wants to minister to you directly. There are, uh, in these persecuted countries, I've heard it said, I believe it with all my heart, that how they coordinate meetings because it's illegal to meet is the pastor or some elder will set a time and then pray about it. And the congregation will pray about it and they'll all just know when and where to meet. Isn't that something? Isn't that interesting? And they do that consistently. They've been doing it in China I find that absolutely fascinating. God is real. His plan for us is real. And He will do everything that is necessary to see that plan come to fruition. But He's asking some things of us. You're not going to stymie the plan of God by telling Him no. 
you'll frustrate the plan of God for your life. But he'll find someone else to replace you. Nobody is unreplaceable in the kingdom of God. Nobody. But God chose you first. He wants to use you first. Tell him yes. Whatever he's asking, say yes. You won't ever regret it. Not ever. Let's call out to him for just a, a for the time we have left. Let's call out to the Lord Jesus Christ. He desires to minister to you, to speak with you. Listen. You're afraid, you have some doubts, you're wondering about some things, let him know. Let him know those things. Be honest with him. He knows already. Commune with him. Speak with him. Let him give you your answer. Amen. Lord Jesus, call out to you this morning. I pray with all my heart that that never comes to pass, not in our lifetime. I don't want it to come to pass. I don't want those things to transpire, not in this country. I don't want to have to face those things that others, Christians around the world, are already facing. I'm sure they don't want to either, though. They are. And if we're called to face the same things, oh God, give us strength. Give us determination. Keep us hungry for the things of God. Help us to sort those things in our lives, the weights, the sins that doth so easily beset us, those things that would cause us to slow down, those things that would distract us, those things that would cause us to, to move aside from the plan of God. Sort those things out in us, I pray. Remove those things from our lives that do weigh us down, that would hinder us from accomplishing Your will. Add to our lives those things that would speed us along those things that would perfect us, those things that would draw us nigh unto you. Keep us hungry, I pray. Keep us hungry for the things of God. Keep us focused, committed, dedicated to the, the things of God, the plan of God, the ministries that you've given us. Hallelujah, Jesus. It is imperative that we discharge faithfully the responsibilities you've given us as individuals, as families, as a church body, that we are faithful to the plan of God, that we are faithful to the will of God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Make us to be fervent. Make us to be passionate. Make us to be zealous for the things of God. You commended Phinehas for his zeal. Give us the same zeal for the things of God. Oh, Lord, I pray that we would do anything you ask, that we would give anything that you require, 
and think it a small thing. Hallelujah, Jesus. Speak to your people today, I pray.